Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Borislav247. Before we get started, I have a couple reminders. Weekdays at 7.30am Pacific Time, you can watch me livestream my Days Gone playthrough. I take on hordes, talk shit about rippers, and lay waste to ambush camps, all before I've had my morning cup of coffee. You can find me on my YouTube channel, just search for Days Gone Podcast. And on Tuesdays, I hijack the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel for a collaborative livestream playthrough of Days Gone. He goes into advanced gameplay tactics and strategy, and I discuss the story, characters, and all the amazing details of the game. You can find us live on the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel every Tuesday at 6pm Pacific. Alright, let's get into it. Now, I want to ask you, in a lot of your videos, the horde runs and the challenge modes, you quite often let your health get ridiculously low it's so stressful to watch <laughs> because i'm like dude you have no health your health isn't like four or something i'm like you're going to die and yet you've uploaded this video so i'm pretty sure you're not about to die because if you died right now that you haven't achieved the point of the video and and then you i was watching the surrounded speed run that you recently uploaded Yes. You were at like zero health and you still took hits. And I'm like, how are you still alive? Why don't you heal? What is, what is wrong with you? Why are you trying to give us all heart attacks? <laughs> right. I can explain all about this one. The Surrounded Challenge is a bit of a different beast to the other two Endless Sword challenges. Namely, because of what, um, what you have available in order to heal. I'll give you the perfect examples first with the other two challenges. Infested especially, um, you can regain health by hitting the Freakers with headshots, which is mm. tremendously handy. And in Black Friday, you also have, not immediately, but um, as the game goes on, you have the, the means if you spend, I think it's 250 Freakers on a perk called Headrush where this will also allow you to um, kill Freakers and gain health through headshots. Now, Surrounded is a different beast altogether. Uh, this is also why Surrounded is the hardest of the Horde challenges by far. The Endless Horde challenges, sorry. In Surrounded, you start with no medkits whatsoever. In fact, you start with nothing to heal yourself with. Mm -hmm. Throughout the course of the the challenge, there are nine medkits placed in various sections of the the game area, but you actually have to find them and pick them up first before you can even use them. Mm. Now, even when you do use them, you'll find a lot of the, the gamers, especially a lot of the hardcore gamers that do the 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 surrounded challenge where they go into hundreds of millions because they are very aware that they only have nine med kits they will purposefully 
avoid using the medkits until they are in a position where they may die. And by that, I mean when you're in a position where you're potentially going to take two very quick hits off a freaker when your energy bar is on red. Mm -hmm. Because you have so few of these medkits to last you throughout the, an entire challenge, a lot of the the high-end gamers, myself included, I've, I've done quite a number of uh, surrounded runs. You basically, when you're... When your health is on the red, you will purposefully just leave it there because you can take two hits at this point where you won't die as long as you don't take them very close to each other. Mm -hmm. If the if the health bar is on the red and you happen to take one hit, you will notice that the screen will start to sort of take on a red glow. Yeah. The, the game is basically telling you if you take another direct hit at this point, you're dead. But... If you manage to survive for a few seconds without taking a hit at this point, the screen will go back to normal, and then you can actually take another two hits. For this reason, this is why a lot of the surrounded gamers will not touch their medkits. However, in the speedrun, which I recently did clear, I hadn't picked up any medkits, so I didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't heal myself if I wanted to. <laughs> it's just do or die. You're either posting this video or you're re-recording it. <laughs> yep, I just had to grin and bear it. It was basically a case of if something goes really badly wrong now, that's it. I'm going to have to redo the run. But uh, thankfully, it, it didn't uh, turn out that way. So, Cool. What's your favorite challenge? Um, the very one that I've mentioned, Surrounded. It sounds bizarre to say because it is also, in my opinion the hardest challenge in Days Gone. Mm -hmm. And for that very reason, because it is so criminally difficult in terms of what it asks of you throughout the challenge. You basically have a limited amount of medkits and you have to find them first anyhow. Mm -hmm. Now, you can possibly pick up more medkits by way of looting corpses in the surrounded challenge. There are eight corpses um, based around uh, the play area and if you loot all these corpses if you're very lucky you'll maybe pick up two extra medkits but very rarely any more than that mm -hmm. but you have the the added misery on surrounded that quite literally from having full health the freakers with quite literally four hits can reduce you to a red bar this is what makes surrounded so tough if you're not used to playing this challenge, it, it's pretty brutal, has to be said. Yeah. Yeah, it looks stressful. I have not attempted it yet. I don't don't think I'll be attempting <laughs> it anytime soon. What is the perk you get for that if you do succeed? Oh, and I wanted to just mention as well, we talked earlier about the patches. These are literal patches that appear on Deacon's vest, on his cut, his biker cut. I just wanted to point that out in case anyone's wondering why we're calling them patches. Then literal, like, visual additions to like patches on his biker vest which is really cool when you see them in the game um because it adds them to most of the cutscenes. i'll be quite honest with you claire that that's a piece of information i never actually knew until i heard yourself and sponicus rex talking about it on one of your live streams in all the times i have played these days gone challenges i never realized that these patches actually appeared on dick and saint john <laughs> 
in the actual main game. Yeah, yeah, they're like visual additions, which is just cool because it's like a permanent reminder that, yes, you permanently have the skill now, this perk, um, you know, what, like you're saying, like the bullet penetration or whatever, the um, uh, melee durability, but it's just cool to see it. Like you just get this cool little patch. So yeah, what is the what is the perk? What is the patch for Surrounded? Surrounded is I'm pretty sure it's stamina based, if I remember rightly. Um, yes, it is actually if you get uh, a gold score on um, Surrounded, uh, you use twenty eight percent less stamina when playing. Wow! When playing the the challenge or any other challenge for that matter as well. That makes an incredible difference. It does indeed. That one is definitely one of the better patches, has to be said. Yeah. And you have like a little theory. I think you talk about it in one of you t- your tutorials about the order in which to do the challenges. If you wanted to knock them all out, there's like a certain order to do them in that give you the patches that help with the next challenge. Absolutely. Yes. There are two sets of items that give you advantages in the Days Gone challenges. The first set of advantages are basically rings. In order to get these rings, you have to complete sub-challenges and get scores to a certain degree, which give you credits. And these credits allow you to buy these rings or basically unlock these rings. And these rings give you certain advantages. You also have the patches, which will give you advantages as well in the in the challenges. The only difference between the two of these is that the rings are only applicable to the Dayscon challenges. Right. The patches that you unlock are applicable to the entire game. Mm-hmm. So if you do them in a certain order, um, Rings are important, but certainly if you do the challenges in a certain order where you start to unlock the patches in a certain order, it certainly makes completing all the Days Gone challenges far easier. Which video do you have on your YouTube channel that explains that? Um, I think one of the one of the videos certainly where I go into a little bit of detail in terms of the order would be... Uh, I think it's a complete trophy guide to the Days Gone Challenges. And that is a two-parter. I think I have two videos that cover that. If anyone wants to check those out, they can find them on your YouTube channel. Um, and uh, yeah, because these challenges are just, like we've been saying, so useful, not only to complete the rest of the challenges, but in they make the game so different. They do. They certainly help. The advantages you get from the patches, they are all helpful to a degree in the main game. Some of the patches, however, are close to useless for some of the Days Gone challenges. So, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) something worth noting. I'll give you one perfect example. There is one of the Days Gone challenges where the patch for it allows the bike to be refueled, I think, 13% quicker. Mm, of course, you don't refuel the bike in any nope. of the challenges. You never do this in any of the challenges, so it means absolutely right. nothing to the, the Days Gone challenges. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do that one last? I guess that one doesn't matter where you do it in the order. If it, it doesn't add or detract anything, it's like you could do it first, you could do it last, you could do it in the middle. 
I'll be quite honest, yes, this is usually one of the challenges that if I was doing it in a particular order, I would only take on Drifter's run in order to get the the rep points for the actual challenge itself, which basically the more rep points that you actually get um, allows you to upgrade the rings further than what you already have. Right. But yes, certainly if there was, there are four challenges of the Days Gone challenges that I would always recommend to people. Just if you don't have to do them, don't bother. And this <laughs> one's pretty. This one's pretty much top of the list. Drifters run just uh, unless you actually want to uh, play the challenge and enjoy it for what it is. If you're if you're looking for the patch advantages, just forget about this one entirely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk horde speed runs. These videos you have posted are absolutely astounding it's like watching a magic trick where you make it look really simple and yet i know there's nothing simple about it how do you plan out a horde takedown right in a nutshell there are usually two very um large contributing factors the first one i'm always thinking about is the size of the horde that i'm about to take on mm-hmm I'm very fortunate I've got quite a good knowledge of most of the hordes in Days Gone, so usually when I get to a particular area, I'm usually pretty pretty much well aware of the name of the horde and their numbers. The second part, and again, this is a biggie, I will always take a look at the surrounding area before mm-hmm. wading in. Uh, I know in a lot of my videos it just looks like I just go in completely gung-ho and uh, without any um, game plan whatsoever. But you'll be surprised in a lot of them. There's certain points where I go to and certain things that I do and it is all very much planned beforehand. Right. Yeah, it does definitely look like you just walk up to the horn and you're like, hey boys, and start throwing molotovs and grenades <laughs> and suddenly like 75% of them are dead in the first four seconds and it's like, what the how, what the fuck is happening? Um, but I know from experience, from you know trying these things and doing that myself, that you're definitely putting in a lot of hours ahead of that video where you have tested this and tried it and tried it different ways and tried it from different angles and you figured out the you know most effective weapons to use in the most effective location of this particular part of the map and you know you're figuring out how the freaks will respond to a grenade here versus a grenade there and where to throw an attractor and all of all of that you you've meticulously tested and planned out i'm sure right pretty much pretty much um i will be honest another another tip that i will just uh, throw out here and this is a biggie it applies to an awful lot of the areas where the hordes are located and it's always look for a height advantage mm. if you mm-hmm. can find the items where you can climb up on you straight away have two huge advantages the first one is they've got uh They've got so much time or so much ground to cover in order to actually get to you. But once they actually reach you and you've got all the time in the world at points to throw throw down, whether it be gunplay or explosives, but then they have also got to climb up in order to get to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they climb slower than Deacon. They climb a lot slower than Deacon. 
So you're giving yourself you're giving yourself more time, and more time means more carnage for the freakers. <laughs> more time means more carnage. Um, that's definitely going to be the hidden message in this uh, <laughs> this episode. Um, <laughs> so also, I was going to add a third advantage is that it kind of funnels them because there are only certain points where they can climb. Like in a lot of a lot of things, you can climb on. You can only climb up one way, so they can't climb up. The sides, and I'm thinking, for example, the uh, the train carriages at the Lobert Lobert Drawridge Horde. You know, they have those boxes stacked up next to them. You can hop up there real fast. You're on top of the train carriage. The freaks cannot climb up any other way. They have to come up that way. So it funnels them and focuses all of the freaks in one location, so that as you're raining down napalm and grenades you're hitting a lot more of them because they're so much more concentrated. Yep, that is absolutely spot on. Just hit the nail on the head there. Choke points especially in Mm -hmm. a lot of the horde areas. Like you say, as you've just very rightly pointed out, if you are on certain items, sometimes they only have the one way to get to you. And this is fantastic because you can just rain down hell on them from where you are. Yeah, especially if you have the penetration patch where you're hitting more freaks with every bullet. Absolutely. If they're all grouped up in one little choke point or one little space, you're going just straight through all of them, straight through three or four freaks with each bullet. And if you have the MG55 or the chopper or anything that's like has a high rate of fire, you take them out so quickly, so effectively. Yeah, and I'll be totally honest, throughout all of the the hordes that I've basically taken on, especially in speedruns, I always have my full array of advantages through the patches. It's mm-hmm. pretty much a full house. I have every advantage possible going for me uh, at that time, which which certainly helps, Claire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, One other thing that I think you have that maybe you don't realize you have, but apparently the way your videos come across, you have zero fear of the freakers. Is that uh, true? Are you Are you completely unafraid and desensitized to them at this point? Um, yeah, that's pretty accurate, actually, Claire. I was going to say that there was a time, maybe the first playthrough of Days Gone, where they did hold some sort of fear, but after starting to go after the hordes and after playing them so much, I'm honestly, I'm actually extremely calm when I start going into the layers and whatnot. It's surprising how much you can actually get away with with the hordes. Unless you actually get caught up by a big group of them, you can take a few slaps, you can move away, and uh, yeah, the the fear of the hordes did leave me quite some time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely apparent in the videos. <laughs> definitely apparent. Um, do you ever play with the music off? Do you do you still have the music on? Because the music kind of adds to that, you know, the oh, getting amped up and getting afraid. Do you ever turn that off when you play? Uh, not really, no, no. I, I, no, I don't mind lost when, its the actual, effect on you. <laughs> when the when the horde music starts to come up, where you start to hear it, it's like, oh yes, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> just it really just spurs me on, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your favourite horde? Oh, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, and I've I've, I've mentioned this on quite a number of uh, live streams when I've been watching yourself and Sponicus Rex, the Lobert. Draw Rich Horde. Mm, it is a good one. It's 300 strong and it's all about the location. 
Yeah. The first time I remember going there, all I was thinking, because by this time, and even in my first playthrough, I, I had some quite decent weapons at this point, and I just took one look at it, and I thought, Merry Christmas. <laughs> there are so many options of how to deal with uh, that horde. Yes. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. I could think of six straight away that, in terms of scenarios, how it would play out, and mm. and honestly, over the course of uh, the many hundreds of hours that I've played Days Gone, I must have uh, taken out that horde. I would say. And this is a moderate guess, about 12, maybe 13 times. <laughs> I would actually like to see you do a video compilation of like six different ways to take out the Lobot Drawridge Horde. Uh, it's something I've never actually thought of, but yeah, that could be, that could be very interesting. Yeah. That could be very interesting. That's something I would definitely consider, Claire. Yeah, maybe in a live stream or something. Oh, absolutely. My one problem with the Lobot Drawridge Horde is that they don't follow you very well. Half of them get bored and break off and go back to their little tunnel cave. I have yeah. issues. I was trying to do... So everyone's everyone's done all these cool videos on the best way to take down the Sawmill Horde and the best way to take out the Iron Butte Horde and, you know, no shots fired videos and speed runs and things like that. And I know I'm not a, a an expert gamer. I know I'm not going to... Um, impress anyone with anything new I might come up with that's, uh, you know, excellent gameplay that changes it and, and changes everyone's strategy or anything like that. What I like to do when I'm feeling uh, in the mood to record a little video, or put something out, I do fun things like I take out the Iron Butte Horde with Schizo's weapons, uh, using all four of the weapons that he has. Um, I did one yesterday, just last night, I uploaded the Rum Rai Gulch Horde using that little corridor right next to it through the rock, that little pass, and just lined that with a bunch of bombs and just like led them through there and took out most of them <laughs> just in yeah. this little narrow passage. So I'm always looking for like stupid fun ways to do things. I actually watched that last night and that was fantastic. Oh, thank you. I never actually considered that as a way to take them out and you did it so effectively. And, I, and I'm pretty sure throughout that run, I don't think you sustained any damage whatsoever. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure you took that horde out as clean as it gets, so... Yeah, it was a little inefficient. I noticed some of the bombs go off and it doesn't reduce the number of, of freaks in the horde. The, the, the horde health bar doesn't go down. So I know some of them got wasted. They were detonated by the other bombs. So the placement needs a little finessing. But really, I just was like, I had 20 minutes and I was like, fuck it, let's just see what fun thing can be done in this area. And like you say, the Lobot Drawridge Horde, there are so many fun things to do there. And I, I spent hours one time trying to take them out with the crossbow. That was my goal. I was like, okay, this is a stupid video. No one in the world <laughs> needs to know how to take out a 300-strong horde with just the crossbow. This is not going to change anyone's world. But I wanted to see if it could be done. And I found that it can't be done. At least I, I couldn't find a fun way to do it. I gave up after, I don't know, two or three hours of trying and the part of the problem is that they, for some reason, that horde, they don't follow you very far. Some of them will fuck off back into their cave. And also they do tend to spread out a lot. There's a lot of like that little um, gully that they can go in and, and the little um, 
bits they can climb over and some of them will split off around one side of the train carriage and some will go the other side and it's hard to keep them grouped up. Yeah, and you absolutely. need when you're doing something stupid like trying to take them out with a crossbow, you need them to be grouped up. You need to group them around the explosive barrels and it's really difficult there to do that because they just they don't want to play. It is an unusual horde that way for for being of such a large size. Um, especially if you're looking to take them out just with gunplay and you start leading them um, away a, a reasonable distance from the the, the rail tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and just half of them just don't seem to want to play. <laughs> yeah, versus the Iron Butte Horde, which will follow you for days. I think it was, uh, that's the one, the D, D Marlo, D Marlo 310. He's a, a Redditor and a YouTuber. And he has a lot of really cool Days Gone content. And one of the things he did was he combined the Iron Butte and the Sawmill hordes. He got he led one to the other. I'm assuming I haven't seen the video. I'm assuming he led the Iron Butte horde to the Sawmill and then fought the Mega Horde combination of the two at once. Which again is like one of those things that's like a ridiculous. No one needs to know how to do this in the game. This isn't going to improve your gameplay at all. But it's a fun thing you can do in the world. But I'm just like the Iron Butte will follow you forever, and the Lobot Drawridge will barely follow you forty yards from their cave. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know if it's something to do with the fact that the the Iron Butte Horde. Um, they're one of the few hordes in the entire game where they don't actually have a proper layer, not indoors. They're always mm-hmm. outside. Yes, and yeah, they just have that little pit that they Whether it's in. maybe something that Ben Studio decide just to make this particular horde super aggressive. Um, because I, I can I can confirm, I remember seeing DMarlo310's video on this, and he is absolutely right. This the Iron Butte Horde is the most tenacious horde you can possibly get. You can you can drive them from one side of the map to the other very easily. They do not mm-hmm. stop. They will not start going back. You will get all of them coming over. Uh, unlike most of the other hordes in the game, because there's no other horde to my knowledge that you can actually do this with. Mm-hmm. Most of them you can get like a fraction of their numbers. But in general, they will follow you so far and then they will just start to peel off and go back. Yeah, yeah. I tried the other day with the Death Train Horde. I was trying to lead it up to the uh, Cascade Radio Tower ambush camp, the the one that you do as a mission for Copeland at the beginning of the game. Oh, at yes. the end of the game, if you reset the ambush camps, that one is reset. That counts as an ambush camp. Um, so you can play it endlessly at the end of the game if you just want to replay all the ambush camps. And so I was trying to find ways to use what the world provides you um, in terms of hordes or bear traps or whatever, um, trying to figure out a cool combination to to take out this camp. And it's a really tricky one because I was trying to get the death train horde up the hill and I got them to follow me. But by the top of the hill, I had two from the horde <laughs> which the ambushers just immediately killed and then yeah, that was it doesn't quite have the same effect <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a complete fucking waste of time I think I could do it again I could maybe get like 5 or 10 up there maybe if I'm lucky but no it was a complete waste of time because it's just too far they just don't follow you that far 
I, I do love how in the Days Gone game that they do give you so many potential options of what you can do with the likes of the hordes in terms of directing them to places and whatnot. Not only that, but animals and things like that in the game as right. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I've tried I've, to lead many a rager bear into a, a camp. <laughs> absolutely. I've actually I've done that on one or two occasions and actually trying to lead the bears to a particular horde that I'm looking to take out. Ah, yeah. And then when the horde come out, it's almost like a free attractor for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they'll come out, they'll start attacking the bear. You can just step back a bit and you can just absolutely lay into them with whatever, uh, whether it's gunplay or explosives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is your least favourite horde? No. Ch- if I had to really pick one... I would say I'm trying to think, make sure I get the right name of this. Uh, the Grotto Cave Sword. Oh, the one up by the cemetery, top right of the map. Yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, not a massive fan of it. <laughs> Why is that? I generally like to take out the hordes during the daytime, and of course during the daytime, mm. they're, they're they're in the caves. So they're all the way in that cave. All the way in that cave. So you've got to go quite. Uh, quite a way in. If if I remember rightly, it's the cave where you go in and you're constantly having to turn left. Yes, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure it's two, two, two or three lefts before you actually reach them. And if and you fuck up, you'll end up in the pit with them because if you take the left, you end up on the little balcony above them. That's right. Yes. Did you know there's a um, there's a we've mentioned it on the feedback loop live streams before. The there's a backdoor entrance to that cave um, that doesn't necessarily help um but i haven't really explored it all that much but there's a little spot you can get to uh where you cannot be got at by the horde and i think with the right strategy you could pull them underneath you and just take them out without taking any damage without being worried at all i wasn't i wasn't aware of that particular one i know there is one of the hordes where uh, quite nearish the entrance where there is a certain section where you can go through and it provides you quite a bit of protection but I honestly couldn't tell you exactly which horde I'm talking about uh, unless it's maybe the Metolius Lava um, horde, possibly definitely one that involves caves but uh, that I'll be quite honest Claire, that's the main reason for my dislike of the grotto caves just the fact of the environment that I'm having to go in and it just kind of mm-hmm. freaks me out a wee bit so. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I have a couple more questions for you If you were in the world of Days Gone would you be as fearless as you are in your videos? Not a chance <laughs> And which camp would you be in? Right, well I'll I'll start with the first part of the question uh, and explain <laughs> why. Um, as Days Gone rightly says, this is a world that comes for you, and by God, it it I'm thinking in real life this would scare the bejesus out of me. You have got bears, you've got wolves, you've got these other things, the hybrid variants of uh, what it is. You've also got your freakers, swarmers, screamers. Not to mention hordes that can appear um, even during the day. If mm-hmm. there happens to be um, animals going by and whatnot, you can get some nasty surprises. And on top of that, you've got marauders as well. All of these mm-hmm. things are looking to kill you. 
I would not want to have anything to do with uh, any of that. So I definitely wouldn't be along the lines of a drifter. I would be looking for, <laughs> I would definitely be looking for a camp and I don't think I'd be going too far from it. <laughs> so would you be at something like Lost Lake maybe? Lost Lake, absolutely. And what would your contribution be to the camp? Um... <laughs> <laughs> What skills do you have? I have to say, because uh, I certainly wouldn't want to be going out in real life and actually trying to kill hordes, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think I'd look to work on the fields or something along those lines if they were if they were maybe looking for... Uh, actually, if they, if they had something along the lines of um, preparing firewood, things like that, oh, where yeah. just... Some manual labour out in the sun. Yeah, I could, mm-hmm. I could live with that. <laughs> Sounds like a cushy life. <laughs> um, I love the fact that Lost Lake actually has the best accommodation. I'll be quite honest, that's my mm-hmm. biggest draw to Lost Lake. They all seem to have nice houses, whereas if you look at uh, Copeland's camp... Oh, God. Jesus, they're, all, they're, they're <laughs> sleeping outside all the time, and I don't think it's much better in Tucker's camp either. Tucker's camp, at least they have the tents. So it's like you're camping and they have campfires and you're all sort of grouped together under the trees. It'd be cold, but it yes. would be you're at least in a camp, whereas Copeland's is like just open and rainy all the time and yeah, everything just I've... seems wet all the time. You're in this little Ewok village. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem <laughs> yeah. like a good place to be. <laughs> I think in Tucker's camp, I'm pretty sure they break the working time directive as well. They, they, they tend to do more than their average hours there, so yes, yes. that would tend to put me off as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, at least at last, like, you could go fishing, you know, you could maybe be either work on the farm or you could go get fish, you know. Absolutely. You could, uh, although that would involve going outside, outside the camp. Yeah, but it does, yeah. it does have the best... Um, um, in terms of your views and scenery, the what's around Lost Lake is certainly a, a tad more appealing than uh, the other two camps. Definitely, definitely. All right, so my last question is, what else do you have on your channel that is not Days Gone related? Because I know you do some streaming and some other stuff. Right. Truthfully, Claire, not a great deal, actually, that's not uh, Days Gone based. Um, I've I've almost made the channel at the moment days gone specialized because there are so many things that I love about the game however I do have one or two tutorials on one or two other games um, I'll mention them all because it won't take long to tell you <laughs> uh, I do have a tutorial on Dead Island mm-hmm. one of my one of my all-time favorite games Shadow of the Colossus um, oh yeah an absolutely amazing experience and and as well as this, one of the videos that I made on my channel that I am the most proud of, it was a time when I had done very little in the way of editing and whatnot, and I put together what I consider a fantastic video. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also got uh, a couple of tutorials on Far Cry 3, and as well as a couple of live streams, which I have done on Days Gone and Dying Light 2, I also have two full playthroughs of the main story missions in Far Cry 6 and Dying Light 2, which, by the way, Dying Light 2 is a fantastic game for anybody who hasn't played it yet. All right, a few things before we wrap up. 
You can support the Days Gone podcast via buymeacoffee.com slash daysgonepod, where you can throw a little money in the tip jar if you're feeling generous. That really helps me with the overhead costs of running the show. I want to give a shout out to James Guan, who generously bought me three coffees this week. Thank you, James. I appreciate the support. You can also support the podcast by simply leaving a review on Spotify or whatever app you listen to us on. And please subscribe and give us a thumbs up on YouTube. That helps the algorithm do its thing so more people can find the podcast. Borislav, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your godlike wisdom with us mere mortals. This has been absolutely fantastic. You're far too kind, Claire, and thank you for having me. It's been an absolute honour being on your podcast. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counter-arguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out. Weaver out.